Welcome to Interplay Conversations in Music. This is your host, Michael Shapiro, with my dear friend and colleague, David Leibowitz, conductor of many orchestras, and especially the New York Repertory Orchestra. Hi, David. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? Wonderful to see you. Likewise. Thank you. It's this incredible time. We're both in New York. I'm up in Chappaqua. David's in New York, New York, which they had to name twice to get it right, I suppose. The fashionable Upper West Side. Less fashionable than the Upper East Side, but that's good. I don't, I don't know. The, the, before this all hit, the values in the Upper West Side were phenomenal. Yeah. Because of the stock of apartments. David, you founded the New York Repertory Orchestra how many years ago now? Well, we started giving concerts. We started giving full seasons of concerts 20 years ago in February of, of 2000, actually. So, uh, um, so it's 20 years ago, 21. Uh, before that, though, it was a reading orchestra that met once or twice a month. And, uh, you know, people would get together when we, we would read stuff. And then after a while, we decided we wanted to to perform and then the the fully performing New York Repertory Orchestra started in February of 2000. Now, as I remember, because I first heard you way back, you were yeah. at a church uh, actually near Lincoln Center, weren't you in those days? Right, we're at the Good Shepherd Church, which is that little church right behind Juilliard. Um, right. That, uh, yeah, we were there for about 10 years. We outgrew the space. The orchestra got bigger. The audiences got bigger. Uh, by the time we left there, we had people in the audience actually sitting around and on the floor. Well, always on the floor, but then on the floor around the orchestra players. Like the violin, the violin section had people sitting like right below them. Um, <laughs> So we moved. We found the uh, the uh, Church of St. Mary in Times Square, which is bigger and friendlier and nicer. And we moved there and we've been there for 10 years. So that's it's, a, uh, it's basically a cathedral. It's a phenomenal. Place. It is. It's enormous. It's uh, uh, but now let's go to title. Yeah, this is not, this is not the New York blah, blah orchestra. This is the New York repertory orchestra. So how did you find that word and what does that mean to you? Well, um, since the 20 years that we've been performing, you know, concerts, not just reading, we've never repeated anything. So we've, everything we've played, we've played for the first time for us. So in a way, that's the repertory part of it. We've, we go through repertory. Um, and I think that's one of the draws for us, for the players. You know, it's an all-volunteer orchestra. Many of our players are professionals. But I think the draw that brings in such good players, one of the draws is that we do things that they've never played before or may have played once in their life or know of and have never played but have heard. So um, I think that's part of it. And that's where the repertory comes in. I have to be honest, we have repeated one piece. Uh, and that was the Mozart Symphonia Contratant. Um, but that was unavoidable because the... Uh, Concertmaster and the principal viola from the New York Philharmonic asked us if we would play it, if they could play it with us. So, was that as a tryout for them playing with with the? Yeah, Philharmonic? they played it. They played it with the Philharmonic. Um, right. And it's very interesting. The program that we did was that, and either Shostakovich eight or ten, 
And then the program they played with the New York Philharmonic was that and either Shostakovich eight or 10, but the other one. <laughs> You've done so much repertoire, repertoire in your repertory yeah. orchestra that you, it's hard to remember year to year, I'm sure. Well, I have actually on the monitor behind you, I have the list of everything we've played. So in case you need to, in, in case you quiz me, I will, uh, I will know that. But well, um, yeah. but yeah, that's 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 the draw for us. I like doing that. Um, you know, certainly we have played all the big, the big romantic pieces. We've done all the Beethoven symphonies and Schumann and and um, a lot of Mozart and and so on. Um, but I think that in many ways the the golden age of orchestral repertoire is the 20th century because um, there's so much there's so much great stuff you know sort of a flowering and the use of the orchestra the colors that were available in the 20th century that were just coming about in the in the night in the 19th century um, are really interesting to me so you know we've done a lot of We've done all the Sibelius symphonies, or we would have if COVID had not uh, hit us. We were going to do the last one in the cycle this year, um, number seven. And we've done mo we've done all the Nielsen symphonies except one, and we've done a lot of Shostakovich and Prokofiev, a lot of the Prokofiev symphonies and Martinu, and a lot of American music, um, you know, Barber and David Diamond and uh, Della Gioio and William Schumann and Copland, which. And which really appeals to me and you, uh, but you're not mid 20th century. You're a young guy. Well, I was born yeah. mid 20th century. But you didn't flourish, as they say in the uh, in the encyclopedias. I didn't, I didn't flourish. Back then. You only flourish. You're flourishing now. Um, Let's hope. And uh, so that's what um, you know. We do cover standard repertory, but we don't focus on it to the uh, exclusion of everything else. And, and there are other organizations in the city, other orchestras that do that. So our players might play somewhere uh, with another group and they get to play a program that's all Schubert or all, you know, Mendelssohn Schubert. Uh, and, and we've done all those composers too. We've done a lot of their music, but we don't, it's, it's less, um, you know, we do less of it over the period of time. I mean, eventually we get to everything, but... Uh, well, that's well. Let's talk about getting to everything. Yeah, you've been through. I know recent, fairly recently, you did Beethoven Nine, which was you right. hadn't done, but you got a chorus to cooperate with right. you and uh, to join yeah. you. And that um, was the last of our Beethoven cycle. So right. doing that was kept, and not just not just me doing those all those pieces, but but the orchestra doing all those pieces. So I, you know, it's important for me that the that the orchestra experiences the completeness of that but not all in one year, you know. Well, there's still plenty of Beethoven to do. I'm sure there's contradances oh, yeah. you, contra yeah. you haven't done. <laughs> one of the things I was hoping for in the Beethoven year was a, uh, a moratorium on the music of Beethoven so that uh, we could appreciate it with fresh ears. And I guess I, uh, I hoped and prayed too well because the, uh, this year sort of... Uh, Everything went away, not just Beethoven. Well, yes. <laughs> and, you know, he, he supposedly was pockmarked 
in his cheeks. So maybe there was a bit of plague in there. We don't know. Oh, I <laughs> but I'm curious about, I love your programming and you know, I've been to many of your concerts, of but course, of course. more I've been to your rehearsals, which are fascinating on that, those Thursday nights. When you're, uh, and this is a very interesting thing for you to relate because of right. all the conductors I know, and as you know, I know a lot of conductors of all stripes, a lot of our friends. Yeah. And this Yours. podcast is a, this podcast is a testament to all the, all the conductors that, you know, yeah, well, many, more, many, 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 and more yeah. is going to join me very shortly. Uh, I have Good. five college conductors coming up together, oh, of all of whom you, you know. I think, yeah, <laughs> in, probably. In any event. Yeah. Instruct the perhaps other conductors, not only the ones that are established, but also the ones coming up. What I know, you, you, there's nobody that knows how to put together a program that, than the way you do. I'm not talking about the quality of your conducting, which I've told you you're a great conductor, and I really oh, well. Thank but you very the much. Issue coming from me, it, you know, I know. Was highly opinionated, doesn't That's... like Bruckner. It's a big, it's a big statement. <laughs> In any event. Oh, right. You know, we've done a lot of Bruckner also. <laughs> I know that. But, and you're the one who told me to listen to Martineau. And that I was, did. my God, are you right? The, that third symphony in particular. Holy I moly. Think, I think Martineau, if we can Please. veer away from you complimenting me, is Martineau is as great a symphonist, uh, as a composer in general, as any of the bigger names like Shostakovich or Prokofiev. Right. I think he stands up there right alongside them, uh, e equal equal weight, equal importance, equal interest. And his music is unique. You hear his music. I had this experience, I mean, the way I pick music, this is kind of how it happens. Yeah, please. I listen to, I listen to something, I keep lists. I keep lists, these huge lists, pages and pages of things that I'm interested in hearing that I hear about and maybe on the radio or a friend mentions or, you know, my, my colleagues suggest, I, I put it down, and I, I listen to them. And if it grabs me like right away, then that's a great sign. And that, that happens in Martineau every time I listen to any of his music. And we've done, we've done most of his concertos also, which are fantastic. Um, and, the, uh, and the symphonies, they just get you the, the, I think the only other piece that had that sort of it grabbed you in such a way that you, I thought, I've never heard this music ever in my life, was the, uh, is the Stravinsky Violin Concerto. The opening of that piece is something, like in a measure, you're like, oh, I've never heard this, and this is fantastic. How is this, how is this gonna continue? And it, of course it does. And the same with Martin. So let me, uh, I, I agree with you, with you uh, agreeing with me about Martin. <laughs> well, you mostly like when you agree with me. <laughs> well, I agree with you. <laughs> I think that's universal. Everyone uh, likes I suppose, that. Especially, it, especially New York thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. When New Yorkers only talk about themselves as opposed to Minnesotans who want to know about you. How are you doing? But well, let us now talk about repertory choices. I want to know where I was going. Talk about music, yeah. Blank page, season coming up. You have total authority to do pretty much do what you want. You That's don't have right. to. You don't have to answer to a board of trustees. You don't have to answer to an executive director. You don't have to worry about how much money is coming through the door. You handle well, that. 
Well, you do, yeah. but it's yeah. your your issue. It's your decision making. That's so right. largely, you have a blank slate, which a lot of conductors do not have. That's right. They, they That's have right. to answer to the rich guy down, you know, in the rich of section course. of the town, or that executive director is worried about filling seats. Of course, and you know, the orchestra that I conducted for uh, over ten years out on Long Island, I had no control over the programming, and right. it was a very standard repertoire. I don't think there was anything. I don't think they rented a piece of music in their lives. All right, but let's go back. Yeah, yeah. we make. But I'm, make, I, make I know I'm back. very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate that my board of directors allows me to to do that on my own. I think that the that's become sort of the signature of the orchestra that way. In addition to the excellent okay. playing, yeah. that's that's authority. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about choice. Yeah, blank piece of paper. X number of concerts, four to six concerts, maybe a year. Right. Is that right. what you're 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 yep. you're so some people would say thematic programming. I know from from many conversations with you that you poo poo that right away. I I hate thematic programming as Why? a as a marketing tool in a Why? way. Why? Let's start with well, that. Um, because the thematic programming. Okay, I don't hate thematic programming, but the theme has to be musical. The theme has to be something that. Um, goes through the program, through the music of the program and unites it in a way that is enlightening to the audience, even if they don't know that. So when I think of bad programmatic, uh, sorry, when I think of bad thematic programming, if I see another program that's called Fire and Ice <laughs> or a tour through old Europe, which is, you know, every concert almost, or, or something that, that a theme that's been cooked up by a marketing department that then tries to force music into, that's not interesting to me. Thematic, program, thematic programming, that's just the hard thing to say, we should call it something else, um, is something that links pieces together. So when I am creating a program the feeling of, of pieces going together is very uh, instinctual, but this, it can be something as simple as one piece deals with uh, quintuple meter and another piece deals with quintuple meter. They're not related compositionally, but there's a, there's a, there's a link. And that link oftentimes is only um, known to me. It makes sense to me. And I, I'm happy to explain it to anyone if they're interested. I just don't think audiences are interested in that. I think they're interested in coming to a concert where they're gonna hear good music that makes sense in a, in a totality of a program. Okay, so it's only known to you, it's the enigma variations of uh, repertoire choice. <laughs> now, listen to me. No, I, I, will I will, I'm happy to explain it if anyone's interested. I just don't think people are interested. Okay. But what is interesting, actually, let me interrupt you one once again. Yeah. What I think is really interesting is members of the orchestra over the period of rehearsals will often come up and say, you know, this piece that we're doing and this piece that we're doing, I never noticed, but there's this thing about them that's the same. I'm sorry, there's a siren outside. It um, has a musical flavor. So both well, pieces have hamiola. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
I mean, David, you still haven't gotten to the, I, I, this is a, a learning moment, a teaching moment for you, yeah. for the people yeah. who are going to watch this. Yeah. So you're well, telling a young conductor yeah. how to choose rep. We, we get well, away from this kind of quasi, you know, uh, in the most, listening. okay. All right. In the most basic way, Talk if, about you're having, if you're having soloists, you have to, you have to first know what the soloists are doing. Right. Okay. And then you have to find something that complements what they're doing. And that's the, and that's the trick. So that's why I have very long lists of things. Now, our soloists, many of whom have played with us many times, understand that when they come and play with us, I don't ask them to do anything. I ask them, I don't say, can you please do this? I always say, what do you want to play that you never get to play? Which is why we've done the Stravinsky Violin Concerto and the Martineau Violin Concerto and the both Shostakovich cello concertos. Not the one that everyone does, but also the one that very few people do. The second one. Or the, yeah, or the, or the Britain Violin Concerto. Right. Or all these things. Or, you know, the, the concertmaster from Minnesota Orchestra played with us once. And she's awesome. You know, she's a really <laughs> good player. And I said, what have you never done? And she said, you know, I've never performed live with an orchestra, the Brooks Scottish Fantasy. Uh-huh. So it makes it special for the soloists. Unfortunately, we hadn't done it. Um, and it, it's something that makes it special for the soloists. So they're bringing sort of this extra oomph. And then to try and find something that goes with that in a way that makes sense, not just, not just something that's the same instruments, although that's part of it too. But to find yeah. something that goes with something, you know, it means going through everything and, and examining everything. Certainly at the beginning of every David, year. Quick question. Yeah. Quick yeah. question before the beginning of every year. What goes yeah. with the Scottish fantasy of Brooke? I don't remember, but it was not more Brooke. Um, it wasn't a piece composed in Brooklyn, was it? No. <laughs> or by a Brooklyn composer. That would have been very enigma, David Leibowitz. It's, it's enough that the co- the conductor is from Brooklyn. Um, there you go. We're both from Brooklyn, folks. Okay. David, uh, so you're talking about next but, year. Okay, or, so or, at the beginning of every year, right? Please. Or the beginning of every two years or so. And I have lists of, of pieces that I would like to perform with the orchestra. Right. And those lists are smaller. I mean, I know that I want to do, I knew that last year that I wanted us to do the Sibelius 7 because we, you know, we hadn't finished the cycle and we wanted to do that and some other pieces. And then along with some of the other pieces that the soloists were doing, I was able to put that and other pieces together. So the program that we were, um, the program that we wanted to do in March, that then we thought we were gonna do in May, and then we thought we were gonna do in October, and then we thought we were gonna do in December. About and then we it. thought we were gonna do in February that we're not doing. Um, was the soloist is a pianist and she wanted to play the Gershwin concerto in F. Mm. And I know that one of the pieces that I wanted to play that year was the Honegger Fifth Symphony. Dietre Ray. Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah I know. Charles yeah. Munch and Carrion. It sounds better than that. Sorry. Uh, 
And then uh, the other thing that we had on the program was the Nielsen um, Overture Helios. Wow. Okay. So one thing that joins those people is they're all kind of contemporaries. They're all, but they're all different. I mean, Gershwin has certainly a French influence in his music yep. Yep. and Honegger has a sort of, you know, his influences are, are more vague. They're in that piece anyway, they're more international than French. And the, and the Nielsen, um, I thought went well in its sort of exclam, exclamatory nature with something like the, with both of those pieces, all three of those pieces are very ta-da. They all are very uh, um, external. They're very, um, what do you call when someone is very um, outgoing? They're very outgoing. They're very outgoing. David, but aren't different. they also, don't they have a lot of poly polytonality in them? A lot yes. of chords that are jumped yes. on top of each other? Yes. 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 There, there are links all over the place. I, you know, I haven't looked at that music in a year. I don't remember. No, I do. No, um, but I know, I know yeah, the pieces. Yeah, there, there are many links. They're, they're all, you know, Gershwin and Honegger are really, have a similar language that's being used differently at this, you know, and it's, and it's roughly around the same time, the same 20 years or so. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. That's how some of those programs come together. Um, now, sometimes you'll do a program that's devoted to one composer. For example, I remember you waxing poetic and also, my God, getting it into your soul when you did Mahler 9. Right. And also when you did get to Demerung. This was full concerts, one composer, one piece. No, no. The program that we did, it wasn't good at Damerung. It was, was the it end of Siegfried. The end Siegfried. of Siegfried. Siegfried. That was the second half of the program. The right. first half was the Rosen Cavalier Suite. Talk about that. How did you figure those two out? Apart from the album. Well, I figured we had everyone for the Wagner. We might as well do this. You might as well give them Rosen Cavalier first. Was I mean, Rosen Cavalier, no, was no, Rosen no, Cavalier no, no. second? No, no, because the soloist decision was first. Um, wow. You know, sometimes things come together it's not all intellectually done. Uh, it just works together. It's like you have an aha moment, like, oh yeah, let's do the Strauss because they're both roughly the same length. They balance the program. Um, there's not really anything else you can do on a program. I mean, the, the Wagner was, you know, like almost an hour. It's the That's last, huge. it's the final scene, but it's longer than the, the three scenes to, that come before it. And we had really amazing soloists uh, who That's again, when he, we, he, wake, he wakes up Brunhilde from the sleep, right? Right, right. Yeah. We start there and it goes on, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's not doom at the end of that thing, but you know, it's doom is coming. Um, it's a, ha it's kind of a happy ending. Um, I and, jumped to the next opera with Goethe Demerung. Yeah. Um, but David, those, David. Two pieces, those two pieces came together. I thought they really balanced each other well. Um, okay. The, yeah. Now, almost all volunteer orchestra with many pros brought in for various reasons. Some come in because they want to just learn new repertoire that they haven't been doing. Others you need to hire to fill slots. I know about this from working with you. Mm -hmm. um, 
The interesting thing too is that there are certain instruments or certain kinds of players that don't you need to get a quotes a pro. What did you say? Um, I'm not sure I understand. You mean to pay? I'll tell you, we we pay yeah. maybe three or four people in a concert, and that's with a full orchestra. You know, if we have a harp, obviously we pay a harpist. Yeah, because they're not. Or... You know, I we don't want them to have to come into every rehearsal. Right. Um, maybe a percussionist to fill out a section that's large. But that's, you know what? That's it. Our, what's your, what's your we, rehearsal? Our, yeah. yeah. What's your rehearsal schedule like? Uh, first rehearsal, we read everything. Everyone who can be there is there. Second rehearsal is usually a string sectional. And then, and then after that, we... And I, I treat all the rehearsals in as professional a manner as I can. I know many of our players are professionals. Most of the wind players, certainly the principal wind players, are all conservatory graduate level players. Uh, the string players tend to be amateur players who have studied all their life, gone to you know orchestra camp and all that kind of thing, and then have chosen you know not to be a musician professionally, but they're very good. So. Um, that's why I have a string sectional because as a section, you know, I want to make sure that the, the feeling of the section is there. The winds are, are trust. I can trust more. I don't want to say that the winds, everyone's a soloist in the wind section. I know they're all, they all come ready to go in many ways. And then rehearsals, not atypical. <laughs> no, but, um, in rehearsals, I try and do things as if, if it were a professional orchestra, I don't go back. I'm like, I say, after the string sectional, we're going to do the first movement of this on the next week, the second movement of this on the next week, and we're not going back. So we don't just play, we don't just play through things to play through them. We really work on everything in detail, and then we move on. And if you've missed that, as we say in school, if you miss the work, you got to get it from somebody else no. and, come in, and come in prepared. So um, let's talk about preparation. Your yeah. vo quotes volunteer orchestra in quotes, mm -hmm. Mark. No, they're a volunteer orchestra. We're talking about maybe three or four people that are not. But yes, to get what are your requirements for somebody to get into the New York Repertory Orchestra, which can be up to what seventeen to ninety people on occasion? Yeah, yeah. What, what could, we do? Could, we... Some voluntary orchestras will take pretty much anybody who can saw away. But that's not you. Right. I know. Right. That. No, no. And, you know, there are, what are many, you looking for? there are many community orchestras in New York and of many levels. And we certainly, you know, someone may come to want to play with us and we can gently suggest another group if they're, we think they're not ready. And, we, you know, we're, we, we're happy to say that in a very nice way. Uh, I don't audition players. Um, someone emails to ask about, playing i ask them about themselves tell me about your background your experience and it's really i would say 99 percent of the time you can tell by the way someone describes their background the level of their playing if someone says oh i don't remember the orchestra but i remember we played a mozart we played a beethoven hmm. generally speaking i know that they're they're probably not ready and i make it clear that we need people will take people who only have at least 10 years of orchestra experience right uh, less than that 
and I try not to take in many ways uh, students, undergraduate students, because their schedules are often crazy and then they, and that's fine. You know, students are meant to be flaky in many ways. So just for the, just in general, I don't do that. I try not to do that unless they're amazing and dedicated. Um, but, uh, but then uh, we ask them to come in for a rehearsal or two. I'm getting mm -hmm. there. We ask them to come in for a rehearsal or two. And I tell them that we may ask them to play the music that's been rehearsed for me and the section leader or the concertmaster. Right. I don't ask them to play a concerto. I don't ask them to play scales and three octaves with arpeggios. Um, and that's string players, wind players, wind players. There's been no movement in our wind section for about 10 or 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, they David, better not be going anywhere. I want to talk about repertory. We, we have just a very few minutes left. Um, All right. Are there composers that you never want to do again and composers you'd really like to do and haven't done yet? I, I don't know if there are composers that I would never do. I, I think that there are some pieces by some, there are pieces by, let's say there's a composer and there, there's a piece by that composer that I think is not worth doing, but there's a piece by that composer that I think is worth doing. Um, I don't, think, no, I don't think there's any composer that's not worth doing as long as the music, as long as I like the music. Um, I mean, who are we talking about? Florence Schmidt? Well, you could talk yeah. about dead, dead people. I think it's bad taste to talk about living people. Yeah, I, you know, for a while, I forget which Schmidt. It was either Florence Schmidt or Franz Schmidt. Who's the French one? Florent. Florence Schmidt. Um, the other Schmidt was a, was a Nazi sympathizer. Right. Uh, so someone had been suggesting Schmidt to me, the French Schmidt. Um, and I, I listened to it initially and I thought it was interesting. And then I went to a concert in Philadelphia. I heard it and I thought, eh, this is terrible. So I haven't really looked further, but- um, We were together at that concert, by the way. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, so you, you agree with me or else. Or else. Yeah, so that was, all, <laughs> but that was an all French program, and I, I would never do an all French program. I just, well, Cantalou like, was on that too. Yeah, that was yeah. beautiful. David, what do, yeah. what would you like to do that you haven't done? And then we have to go into the ether of the end of this well, conversation. I would like to do more Martinu. I would like to do more music by living composers. We commission, we commission a lot of music, uh, but I would like to do more new music. I like doing new music that music that I don't know uh, beforehand, not before the first rehearsal, but music that um, is interesting and unknown. And, um, you know, I, I, that's really it. I, I, I don't have any, the composers that I want to do, we've done. I mean, we've done music by them. I want to do more of them. Um, you know, there's a young composer here in, named Anna Klein, whose music I want to do more of. Um, I just heard about an Estonian composer today who's 99. I had never heard of her. And I listened to a piece of hers, and I think it's fantastic, and I want to do that. Uh, one of the pieces that we wanted to do this year that we didn't get a chance to do was by uh, a Soviet composer. I forget her first name. Her last name is Kasperova, who was a contemporary of Shostakovich or a teacher. And her, this symphony of hers has never been played in the West, really. And it's fantastic. Um, so, you know, I'm always looking for these things that are unusual 
that are great, but for some reason haven't been done. Like Amy Beach's symphony, we did that. And that's I remember. Yeah. Well, it's always unusual to talk to David Leibowitz. Uh, and it's always great enjoyment. David, thank you for joining Interplay Conversations in Music. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure. This is Michael Shapiro, your host. Thank you for joining us.